We're indeed happy uh, to have Joseph and uh, Christy Salibi and their family with them uh, here today. You will see two welcome notes right under your sermon note uh, page. There's a, a bigger announcement about their presence here with us. And uh, then there's another announcement on the other part page uh, about uh, just welcoming them here. But we're delighted to have Joseph and Christy Salibi here. Uh, Christy is the daughter of Dan and Julie Anderson, grew up here at Spring Valley Baptist. And um, your announcement here says that uh, Joseph and Christy have been happily married for 17 years. Now, if they've been married how long and 17 happy years out of that? But um, <laughs> they were married 17 years ago right here at this spot. In fact, Joseph said this would be the last, that's the last time he stood here in this spot. And I asked him, were you more nervous then or today? And he said, then. But we're delighted to welcome Joseph and Christy and their daughters, um, Hannah, Jordan, and Layla. And they're going to be speaking, I think, to our children in, uh, in the rally room at the beginning of their Sunday school hour. They're missionaries in Guatemala. And uh, we're just delighted that since they're here, spending some time back here, and I think you're having to come back because of visa issues and that that came back. Uh, but it's also uh, preparatory for our being involved. We've got some pictures moving up there. There we go. Uh, of Dan Anderson leading a mission trip next spring, perhaps in March, to Guatemala City uh, to work with Joseph and Christy and those there on a mission trip. Now, before Joseph uh, brings us the message today, I just want to do a little quick Q&A with him and uh, help you understand where they are and and what's going on with them in their life. Okay, so Joseph, um, where are you and Christy serving right now and what are you doing? Uh, We are serving in Guatemala City. We have a city of 8 million people. Uh, there are 17 million countrywide, but 8 million in the city alone. Wow. So what would that compare to, to a city here in the United States? Uh, well, um, that'd be hard for me to put into perspective, but uh, it's a small landmass, lots and lots of people. Lots and lots of people. Lots and lots of lots people. Of <laughs> lots of traffic and all of that. Okay. Um, how, how did you come to the decision that this is what God was leading you and your family to do? Uh, we, uh, we went on multiple trips, and uh, if we were going, I uh, would come home, and from each trip, I would, I would come to Christy, and I would tell her, you know, I think the Lord's doing something, and I think as a family, we, we need to consider uh, this as an option for us. And uh, in her heart, it wasn't settled, so I would go back on the trips, and then I would come home, and, and I would think, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you telling us? And I would have the same feeling. So we began as a family to put to practice what we believe the Lord was calling us to do right where we work. So sharing the gospel in our neighborhood, being part of the teams in our church, and then also continuing the mission trips um, as we go um, to different, different parts of Central America. But, but most importantly, to be on mission right where we work as a family. And, and that solidified in us the need uh, as a family to go and to serve. Absolutely. Great, great. And you hear that he was involved in that in their local church in North Carolina uh, before they went there. So how is the Lord providing for you as you and your family uh, uprooted everything, all your family life, sold all your possessions, your home and everything to move to Guatemala City? How, how is he providing for you? Uh, well, uh, through, through local churches uh, who see uh, the need for, for training in evangelism, uh, who are coming alongside of us and see the need in Guatemala as well, uh, supporting us individuals or supporting us in our local church uh, where we live in near Raleigh, North Carolina, a little town called Jonesville. Faith Baptist Church was our primary sending church. Uh, so independently we are going, not through the IMB, 
uh, it's through uh, individuals and churches alike who are willing to support us financially and through prayer. So it's a, it's a large support group. Very good, very good. And so uh, we have met with our mission team this week. We met with them in, in times past, and we're looking forward to our future involvement with that. So my last question is, and it leads right into your message then, uh, what's the one thing that you would like to share with this church about what it means to follow Jesus and maybe answer a call to missions? And that leads you into the message, so yes, it's sir. all yours. Thank, thank you, sir. Glad you all are here. We thank welcome you. For the you. Welcome you all. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Uh, the answer to his question is, is simply uh, to take God at his word. Uh, when you read the word of God, oftentimes we, we take it for granted. We say, well, that's good for somebody else, or that was a wonderful story. I'm glad it happened to someone else but we don't really put it to practice in our life in obedience. Um, And when we act on the word of God and believe that he's going to do what he says he will do, then he is our great reward because our obedience leads to that great reward. And we see that from the beginning in Genesis all the way through uh, to the Gospels. And we see that the apostles do the same thing. They take God at his word and they obey and they see great results. And so as a family, that's what we are striving to do in Guatemala Uh, And even churches that we partner with here in the States, uh, what we want to do is to encourage evangelism, personal lifestyle evangelism in your homes, in your neighborhoods, at work, uh, in your churches, and wherever you work, play, or stay. And so it's important for us as the church to be the vehicle for the gospel to go. That's what we're here for. This building is here to be a learning center, a training center, so that we can go out and we can proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. And that God is someone to be feared and revered. And that he gives us Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus Christ, then we can all have salvation. And so that is the message of the gospel. And that's why the church is here. So uh, what I want to do is I want to look here. Uh, There's a picture of my family. I want to go ahead and jump right into 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn uh, with us there? Um, I believe the... the, uh, number of the page is in your, your bulletin there. But as I'm, I'm praying and preparing and getting ready, uh, even a month or so ago, uh, about what to share here, I have to admit I was very conflicted because I want to jump right into the heart of what our ministry is. Uh, but as I'm studying and reading through the Old Testament, I came across uh, this story. And I've been looking at scriptures ever since uh, the Lord touched our hearts and, and pushed us to go and to obey and to take him at his word. Uh, we see, uh, I saw one scripture in James chapter 2 and verse 23, and it says that Abraham feared God, and he obeyed, and he acted, and his faith became righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And so for me, I began this journey of searching for what it means to be a friend of God. And I wanted to know what it means to be a friend of God, and so I'm searching scripture, and I'm searching, and I come across this passage in Second Chronicles chapter 2. Uh, chapter 20, and uh, I don't want to read through the whole passage, but I would like to focus in uh, on verse 12 and, and, and uh, roll, roll right on through uh, to uh, 23. One thing that we are noticing uh, as people, as, as we uh, look at history, it always repeats itself. As, as people, we, always, we all have fears, and, and what we see here is a story of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is one of the kings of Judah. And, and we have to look at this individual and we have to talk about who he is and what he's doing. He is fearing God. 
He is taking the word of God from, from town to town in the kingdom of Judah. And he is telling people about the word of God. And he's making sure it's taught in the cities and towns where he is, the king. And we have to take note of that. We also have to look at the other characters in the story. The other characters in the story, uh, we have, let me, get, let me get my notes here. We have Jehoshaphat, we have the Lord, we have Jehaziel, uh, we have the people of Judah, we have the enemies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Menuhites. And, and what we want to do is we want to look at each character and what part they play in the story, and I think this would be a good way for us to fast forward. We need to fast forward because we don't have much time. We don't have much time this morning for me to tell you everything. But what we do need to do is we need to say, okay, we know that God is there. God is active in their lives. We see that Jehoshaphat is a person who fears God and he respects the word of God. And we see that Jehaziel is, is a priest. He's a priest. He's a person who's a Levite who is set apart for the purposes of God. So we have to take note of that before we can read the passage and understand it fully. We have to understand that the people of Judah hear the word of God and they are choosing to respond to the word of God. We also have to look at the fact that there are enemies. There are, there are people who are threatening the people of God. And one thing that we can know and see in the Old Testament is God does not allow anyone to mess with the people who fear him. And now we also have to talk about this, this balance between fear of things that are irrational and things that are not true and fear and reverence and awe of God. Because we see that in this passage, and we'll get there in just a second, we see that in this passage that there are two different types of fear. And, and fear, if, if I will, just share with you that when you're a young man, I consider myself to be young, I'm 40, and you're looking to take your family across the, uh, to a different country and speak a different language, a different economy, sell everything that you have. Your stability is in your home and in your job. And your family is nice and nestled and secured in, in a local church. And everyone is comfortable. And everyone is safe. And you know that. But is that real? And here's the thing. The reason I ask that question is because we had these irrational fears that if we would move our family and sell everything that we have in order to take God at his word, that we would fail. That we would fail. But as we begin to, to walk the journey of, of stepping one day at a time and selling things off and following after the Lord and seeking his heart for our family, what we begin to realize is that our fears were, were irrational. We begin to see that, that God does do what he says he will do. And when we, his people, obey him and step out in faith one day at a time towards moving towards this thing that he has set before us to do, to take back the land. And in this case, what we're seeing is, is God is setting his people up to make a choice. And each one of us here this morning are making a choice. Every day when we wake up, we have two choices. We can choose to obey God or we can choose to disobey God. We choose, oftentimes, irrational fear. There's a fear that that we uh, have lots of different types of fears. We have fears of spiders. We have fears that we, maybe you've, you've been in a car wreck before and maybe you had this, this irrational fear that you might get back in the car and you're scared to go back out and drive again. And so maybe you don't drive. Maybe uh, you just have a fear that maybe you have an allergy. I know we have an allergy in our family. It's something very close and near and dear to us for forever. We were scared to death to get anywhere near a peanut 
we had peanut allergies, so we would just steer clear of peanuts for a long time. But we began to understand that we could live comfortably with that. We didn't eat anywhere else. We just packed everything. That was a big fear for us as we love our daughter, Hannah. We didn't want to, we didn't want her to see her harmed in any way. We all have fear. We have irrational fears of many different things. But one thing that we, we do is that we tend to focus our fear on the things that aren't real and aren't true and that aren't faithful. Instead, we see in this story, we see that Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah look to God because they, have no, they, don't under, they don't know what else to do. They don't know what to do in these circumstances because their enemy is great. Now, I'll tell you uh, that if you're looking up at the screen, if you would please advance to the next slide. Second um, Chronicles 17 uh, tells us that, that Jehoshaphat he sought God, okay? He sought God. He walked with God according to his commands. Uh, going to the next slide, we see that in 17, 9 through 10, that he, he had a love for the book of the law of the Lord. And the people feared God. In verse 10, you can see that there. The people, people feared, they had a fear of the Lord, and they fell on all the kingdoms of Judah. So all the people of the lands around them feared and revered God. In the Word of God. And now, here we have, uh, I should tell you that um, Judah, at this time, Jehoshaphat, had an army of one million men of valor. Mighty men of valor. Men of experience who knew what to do in the time of war. They knew what to do in the battle. And so, Jehoshaphat, in this case, has a three-nation army coming against him. And if you will, please advance to the next slide. And to the next. And the next. All right, there should be a map here. Try again. One more. There we go. So we have kingdom divided. We have a northern kingdom and we have the southern kingdom, Judah. And you can see as you're looking uh, up to the north there, uh, we have the, the Amorites... We have the Moabites, and, and we see uh, that they uh, can advance down around the Dead Sea and come back up and attack. And so what we're at, where we're at now in chapter 20, Jehoshaphat uh, has this army coming against them. In chapter 20 and verse 1, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mionites are coming after them. A great multitude, it says in the scripture. And in verse 4, it says that, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And all the cities of Judah came to seek the Lord. Okay, so instead of being struck by fear and focusing on the people who are coming and setting up and looking and taking evaluation of their one million army strong and saying, Look, guys, we've done this before. We've got a plan of attack. Here's what we're going to do. That's not what Jehoshaphat does. And, and it will strike you as very odd if you'll notice and continue reading on and, and see the end of the story here in chapter 20. But what they do is they assemble the people and they seek the Lord. So first thing we need to do when we see fear, when we have a question about, is God calling me? Is God teaching me? Is God telling me this or that or the other? Or when you're looking at the enemy coming against you and you understand, look, I have health issues. You say, look, well, I'm, I'm just scared to death to share the gospel with anyone. I just don't know that I'm qualified. These are fears that you have. 
But what you need to understand is that when you focus on that fear, that fear becomes the thing that stops you from being active and acting in faith in the God who is faithful. So what we see here, Judah turns to God. They seek his face. And instead of taking evaluation of their resources, because I can tell you right now, uh, if you know me, I'm a very simple person. I'm not super highly educated. I'm not super highly qualified. I'm, I'm not a great missionary man. Our family is pretty simple and standard, and we love to read. We love the Word of God. We like to watch TV. Uh, we enjoy watching sports. Uh, we like steak. We like vegetables. We like cake. We like all this. We're, we're human beings just like you. We're, we're just normal people. And, and the thing is that, that we don't have anything different than what you have. And if we look at this passage this morning, we can see that, that these people in Judah... There's nothing special about them. They have a great army. They have a big enemy. And oftentimes we look at our enemy and we begin to compare ourselves. Well, I want to look at my enemy. And if you have football teams, I know you guys are, are football, basketball, baseball right here in the South. This is, this is what we watch. Well, teams will watch each other's videos and they'll see how they compare with each other. How am I going to stack up against my enemy? When we do that, instead of looking straight to God, And so when we begin to compare ourselves with our problems, all of a sudden we become fearful, and it's an irrational fear. But what we see here is the people of God looking to God. So instead of focusing on the circumstances, they focus on the God of their circumstances. Let's go to verse 13, and let's look. No, verse 12, sorry. So in verse 12, what we see is, is that the people... Uh, Jehoshaphat says, uh, we don't know uh, what to do, uh, but Lord, our eyes are on you. And, and I had a decision to make whether or not to move our family to Guatemala. And I had to make a decision to when to terminate uh, my, my job and when uh, to sell the house. And, and as a family, we, we were fearful at every step. But I'm going to tell you that the Lord was faithful at every step of the way. And he provided everything that we needed every step of the way. And so each day we would get up and we would say similar things like this. We would say, God, uh, we don't know what to do, but we'll look to you. And so here we see a people who were afraid. But in verse 13, he says, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehiel, and Mataniah, and a Levite of the sons of of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And I want you to understand that, that just like Jehaziel, we, the people of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are just like this man, Jehaziel. Here's how we relate to him. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 tells us that we are ambassadors with the ministry and the message of the gospel. It's a ministry of reconciliation that all people who are far apart from God can be made right with God. They can be made righteous in God's eyes through Jesus Christ. We're a royal priesthood in Christ Jesus. We see that in 1 Peter. And so what he is right here, this is a man who is a representative speaking God's word to God's people. And so maybe today, this morning, if I'm nothing else, maybe I'm just a representative, an ambassador 
with the ministry and a message. And maybe you are too. Maybe you make that choice to be that one, to be God's mouthpiece, to say these words to the people. In verse 15, he says, Listen, all Judah. And this is the Lord speaking to him. This is the Lord's message. And he says, All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the king Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. What does this mean to us today as believers in Jesus Christ? People who are set apart for the purpose of God, redeemed for His kingdom purpose. One purpose. There is one purpose for this church. There is one purpose for the church of Jesus Christ. There is one person for the redemption of a soul. It's for you to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then your life purpose is to be the messenger of God with the ministry of God on your heart. To advance the kingdom of God. To say that the kingdom of God is hand is at hand. Just like Jesus said. The apostles did it best. They went around and they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are here to do. We're here to tell people, look, don't be afraid. The church, the local church, is a beacon of hope for the community that it is in. But the only hope that you have is in Jesus Christ. And that is the hope for this community. So he says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde. This battle is not yours, but God's. And I think that oftentimes that instead of sharing the gospel, we often shrink back in fear. Because what we're doing is we're, we're saying to ourselves, but my enemy is too great. That person doesn't want to hear the gospel from me because they know me. But that's the point of the gospel. Is that you, as poor and sorry as you are, and me myself as well, have been redeemed by God through Jesus Christ. That's the point of the gospel. And so, yes, you might be a messed up, broken vessel carrying great, hopeful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone else who is a broken person who needs to be restored to a right fellowship with him. And the only way we can do that is to do exactly what these people do here. Okay, in verse 16, he continues with the Lord's message. He says, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jerel. You will not need to fight this battle. No, you're not going to fight. But you stand firm. You hold your position. And you see the salvation of the Lord. Think about that for just a minute. He wants you to go and to stand in the battlefield. And then he wants you to to stand there firm, hold your position, and watch what he's going to do. And so for us as a family, as we're we're preparing to go, I'm going, God, I don't know what you're going to do with me in Guatemala. I don't speak the language. I'm told you, we're, we're not overly qualified people. And God has a way of doing that. And so if if you're looking at yourself and thinking, I'm not qualified to share the gospel, then the reality is you are. You need to hear this message today. And you need to heed the words that are being said by God's messenger here. He says to stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord. And who is it for? It's on your behalf. 
It's on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Why does he tell them not to be afraid and not to be dismayed? One, because he knows that we can easily be distracted whenever we have fear, irrational fear of a great enemy. Now, I can imagine if I have an army of one million strong men of valor who are ready to strike the sword and take anyone down, and I'm fearful, I cannot imagine how big these other armaments must be. But I do know this, that when I stand before another human being with the intent of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them, I am struck with fear. And it is often irrational, but everything in me does not want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Even though I know that God has been faithful to me, I can still stand before someone who may face eternity in hell, separated from God forever. And be scared to share the gospel with them. This is not something that that is uncommon to all of us. And we all relate to this passage in this way. He's telling them not to be dismayed because dismayed would be confusion. Don't, Don't be confused. Don't be confused. Don't run away. And so he tells them, go and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. He tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, he tells him that uh, I am your great reward. And what he tells him here is he says that you go and see what I'm going to do because it's for you. And oftentimes uh, we think, well, why would he do that for me? Well, let's continue looking. What do the people have to do in order to obtain this? And we can look and we can see in in verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. There's something that every one of us here today is faced with. And we're faced with the reality, a very true reality, is that God's word is truth. And when we read it, it changes us. When we read it with the, the, the idea and the reverence that what we are reading are words of life. In Hebrews 4.12, one of my favorite passages has changed my life drastically. It says that the word of God is living and active. That's not only the written word of God, that is the word of God spoken into other people's hearts. It divides the heart, it divides the soul and the spirit, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it can do this for for you, it can do this for anyone else. And so the people have to hear the word of God, but they have to put stock in it too. They have to take action. So these people have to hear what the Word of God is saying to them, what the man of God is saying, and they have to actually put action to it. So we can say inside these walls that we believe the Word of God, and we can hear the message of the Gospel. And we can see scriptures like Matthew 28. And if you don't mind, just go ahead and advance on to the slide that has Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We have this great commission that's been given to the people. 
who call themselves followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and the word of God is, is, is something that you fear, then these words have been spoken to us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Go and make disciples. But first, we have to look at verse 18 and understand that Jesus first says that he has all authority. And so we have to recognize and understand that we answer to a King Jesus. We answer to him today and every day, and we report for duty, and we say, Aye, aye, King Jesus, I'm here to follow you. What is your command today? And what Jesus says to his disciples here is go. He's telling them to get onto the battlefield. He's not telling you it's going to be easy. He's not telling you that, it, that you're not going to be afraid. But what he's telling you to do is get on to the battlefield. Go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to do the same. We have a great commission commandment not far from what Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah had. He told them to go and to stand firm and to see the salvation of the Lord. And what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 18-20 is very similar. Telling us to go, get on the battlefield, trust. Trust and believe in what His Word says is true. So it's not just for us inside these walls, but outside these walls there's a battlefield. If you continue reading in the story... What happens to the people is that they go to the battlefield, but they go prepared for worship. Now, I find this very interesting because if we say that we believe Jesus and we want to worship him, then these songs aren't the only worship that we have. But the action that we do is also the worship that we have. And so the people of God get themselves ready for worship and they have all their all their all the men. They've consulted with the people and they go out. And they have this great army behind the people of worship. And the people of worship are standing there front face on the battlefield. And what happens is that the people of God are singing praise and worship to the God that he is faithful. He is faithful. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And they're standing there and their actions are speaking louder than their words are singing that he is faithful. And so what happens is God comes in to the battlefield and these people begin to turn on each other. The three-nation army destroys itself in front of the people of God. So Judah is standing there and watching God be faithful. And what did he tell them to do? The message was to go stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. And so the challenge today, church, is for us to go. Stand firm on what we believe is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And see the salvation of the Lord. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that is your challenge. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ and these words strike you as strange and odd, I will tell you this. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. We have a problem, and it's called sin, and we're all born sinners. We don't get a choice. We don't get to choose. Because Adam and Eve sinned, we are all born in sin. The original man and woman sinned against God, and so now we're all born that way. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter what your sin is. All that matters is that we focus on the Savior, Jesus Christ, because he came to this earth, to this place that we live in, and it's broken. And we know it's broken and we know it's wrong. But we have hope 
that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross to pay the price for our sin that we could not pay. And he did this for all of us. Every person, so that every person could be made right with him and have that fellowship that we crave, that relationship with him that he created us for, but we chose different. And so what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, that if we believe in our heart that these words are true and we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that we will be saved. So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ already, I would ask you today to consider very carefully to please, please take his gift for you and ask him to be your king. Confess and believe. And then you can also go and you can stand firm and you can see the salvation of the Lord in your families and the people that you love, your neighbors, your people in the workplace. They all need to hear the same gospel truth. The same reality is true for them. We all need it. And that's why we live and breathe. is so that we can go and tell it to other people. So that we can praise the faithful king. The one true God. And I believe it's time for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And go into a time of, of thinking through what we've just heard. When we hear the word of God, we have, to, we have to digest it, and we have to think about it, and we have to reflect on it. I've spent quite a bit of time looking at this particular passage. And I can tell you, from a personal perspective, that it's true. That every day, when you wake up, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to choose whether you're going to serve yourself or you're going to serve God. So when we serve ourselves, we end up with with puny things. We hang on to things that are fears. And we begin to compare ourselves to our fear, the things that we fear. And we look pretty small in perspective. And we never do anything. We never step out into the battlefield. But when we focus on the God of creation who makes us live and breathe well that changes our perspective quite a bit we can look at our sin and we can say well I can't quit this or I can't stop that but the reality is you can if you just stop focusing on it because that's the thing that's destroying you and just like those enemies when Jesus steps into the scene of your heart and you surrender you surrender to the king And you begin to focus on Him. And that changes everything in your life.